become believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. This week's message is called Practicing Faith in an Anxious Age for November 1st, 2020. The location is once again Vessers Point, Mount Sequoia, and the speaker is John Ray. All right, good morning, everyone. We're really glad to see you here with us this morning up on Mount Sequoia. It is an interesting time to be gathering uh, in our country and as a church. Uh, We want to welcome everyone who's watching from home. Uh, We will, and a reminder, we will, depending on the weather, it looks good, we will be meeting here next week. It's going to be a really interesting service. It'll be led by our Congolese friends. So we'll be here next week, um, weather permitting for that. If you're at home, also I ask you to get your uh, communion elements together. We'll be taking communion together for that. And as I said, this is a really interesting week. There is a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of tension that people are feeling. Um, And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the role that faith plays in all that. The discipline of faith with that. But right now, I want to ask you to pray with me. So just take a minute. And all those things that seem to overwhelm us, all those things that we're rightfully concerned about, plus all the things that have been put on us, just take a deep breath. Open your hands and set them aside. Holy Spirit, just as the wind is blowing through these leaves, we know that you are here among us. God, the creator and merciful Messiah, Jesus, you are the one who have gathered us together. And in this season of anticipation and anxiety, we ask you to speak to us individually, collectively, so that we can know you more deeply, love you more truly, follow you more closely, and that our faith would flame up in this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not sure when I first encountered the work of Henri Nouwen, but immediately something in me connected to his words. They definitely weren't the confident, ironclad guarantees, three steps to whatever you wanted kind of message. These were words of wonder and doubt, longing and loss, hope in the midst of pain, and faith in the midst of darkness. They were those kind of words. And while they spoke to me, they also scared me. There is a great comfort that comes from the 
just have faith and everything's going to be all right crowd. Especially when you get a room full of them. It's so much easier to block the questions with production, the pain with performance, loneliness with loudness. At least it is for a while. But eventually it will come out. That or it will fester so deeply that it kills everything around it. Nowen is a reliable guide when he says the way forward is to wait on the Lord, to pray our pain, and to accept confusion. The thing is, this really doesn't sound much like the faith that I'm supposed to have, or at least the one that I was raised with. But what if there's more to faith than certainty, escape? Or success. You see, faith is how we as followers of Jesus make our way through the world. Faith is what makes a way for us the way that no other way of living can. And faith is worth the risk. It's worth the cost. At Grace Church, belonging, becoming, and believing are all faith acts. There are things we do with no immediate guarantees. When we choose to identify with a group of God's people, a church, it's an act of faith. When we as a church welcome others, it's in faithful response to the God who has first welcomed us. Our becoming is fueled by and the fruit of our faith of our believing, our confessing of the creed, and our prayers, and our choices to act, even when we can't see it. All this is a demonstration of our faith. Well, today is All Saints Day. The church has historically celebrated All Saints Day on the 1st of November. It's the day the church remembers and celebrates the ancestors of our faith. And there is no greater passage in all of Scripture than Hebrews 11 when it comes to remembering those who have gone before us. This is, a, this is an incredibly insightful uh, passage, and it's also been gone up in my estimation now that I know it's Tim Holland's second most favorite uh, <laughs> chapter in the Bible. Uh, that, that really adds credence to it with that. But what I want to do, this is a long chapter, okay? But I think it's, I think it's important to hear these. I want to ask us to stand while I read this. And I want you to, to hear the words, but I also want you to think about the people who have influenced your life. I want you to think about those who have gone before you, who you have seen as those heroes of faith that you know personally. What then is faith, the author starts? It is what gives assurance to our hope. It is what gives us conviction about things we can't see. It's what the men and women of old were famous for. It is by faith that we understand that the worlds were formed by God's word. In other words, that the visible world was not made from visible things. It was by faith that Abel offered a better sacrifice to God than Cain, that earned him the testimony that he was in the right since God himself bore witness in relation to his gifts. Through faith, he still speaks, even though he's dead. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up so that he wouldn't see death. Nobody could find him. Because God took him up. 
Before he was taken up, you see, it had been said of him that he had pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to worship God must believe that he really does exist and that he rewards those who seek him. It was by faith that Noah, who had been warned by God about things that were not yet seen, took the warning seriously and built an ark to save his household. He thus put the rest of the world in the wrong and became the heir to the righteous standing which accords with faith. It was by faith that Abraham, when God called him, obeyed and went out to a place where he was to receive an inheritance. Off he went, not knowing where he was going. It was by faith that he stayed in the promised land as a stranger, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were joint heirs of the same promise. He was looking ahead, you see, to the city, which has foundations, the city which God is the designer and the builder. It was by faith that Sarah herself, who was barren, received the ability to conceive a child, even when long past the right age, since she considered that God, who had promised, was trustworthy. Thus it came about from an old man, and him much more or less dead. There were born a family as many as the stars in heaven in number, as uncountable as the sand on the seashore. All these people died in faith. They hadn't received the promise, but they had seen it from far off, and had greeted it, and had recognized that they were strangers and wanderers in the land. People who say that sort of thing, you see, make it clear that they are looking for a homeland. They had been thinking of the place from which they had set out, had they been thinking of the place from which they had set out, they would have been, had plenty of opportunity to go back. But as it was, they were looking for a better place, a heavenly one. That's why God is not ashamed to be called their God, since he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham, when he was put to the test, offered up Isaac. Yes, Abraham, who received the promise, was in the very act of offering up his son, the one about whom he was. it had been said that in Isaac shall your family be named. He reckoned that God was capable of raising him even from the dead, and in one sense he did indeed receive him back from there. It was by faith in the things that we that were to come that Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. It was by faith when Jacob was dying, he blessed his two, the two sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on top of the staff. It was by faith that when Joseph was coming to the end, he spoke about the exodus of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his own bones. It was by faith that when Moses was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents. They saw that the child was beautiful and they weren't afraid of the king's orders. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, preferring to suffer hardship along with God's people than to enjoy the short-term pleasures of sin. He reckoned that reproach suffered for the Messiah was worth more than all the treasures of Egypt. He was looking ahead to the reward. It was by faith that he left Egypt without fear of Pharaoh's anger. He kept the invisible one constantly before his eyes. It was by faith that he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer, the firstborn, wouldn't touch them. It was by faith that they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground, while the Egyptians, when they tried to do the same, were drowned. It was by faith that the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. It was by faith that the prostitute Rahab was not destroyed along with those who didn't believe. She had welcomed the spies in peace. What more can I say then? I'll run out of time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. It was through faith that they overcame kingdoms, put justice into practice, received promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were strong when they had been weak, became powerful in battle, and sent foreign armies packing. 
Women received their dead by resurrections. Others were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might receive a better resurrection. Others, again, experienced painful derision and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were put to the sword. They went about in sheepskins or goat hides. They were destitute. They were persecuted. They were ill-treated. The world didn't deserve them. And they wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the grounds. All these people gained a reputation for their faith. But they didn't receive the promise. God was providing something better for us so that they wouldn't receive perfection without doing so as well. Maybe seated. That's a lot. There's a lot going on there. It's a recounting of history. But it's also instructions to us to be encouraged that we are not alone as we struggle against injustice, as we struggle against the things that oppress people that keep us from flourishing. We're not alone in that. So we remember. It's going to be an interesting week, y'all. Tim mentioned in our teaching meeting that it's like everybody's holding their breath. It seems like everybody's holding their breath, just waiting until, well, we don't know when it will all finally come out. But when it does, we were talking and preparing for this morning and, and Becky made the comment that for some of her closest friends and some of the communities she served, she's like, faith almost doesn't seem enough. But if the election turns out a certain way, it's like there has to be more. How, how can you just offer faith to someone who feels threatened or marginalized, disenfranchised? Look, there's no denying the anxiety. But it's exactly at this time that we need to keep clear-eyed about where our hope lies. We better be careful what we're putting our faith in. Because no matter what happens, who wins and who loses, and while there will be very real consequences, as Christians, our hope is essentially and always in a power that is greater than that of governments or court justices or party platforms or presidents. And if this is true, then what are we to hope for right now? What are we to put our hope in? How are we to hope? Well, the testimony of the scripture we read tells us. It says that by faith, we are to understand that God is the creator and the sustainer of this. Not us, not politicians, not governments, not countries, not nations. God is the one who made everything that is visible out of the invisible. By faith, we understand that we are capable of pleasing a God. That's not dependent on our circumstances. We have the capacity to please God. By faith, we understand that God makes a way for us to flourish. God doesn't design us for frustration. God doesn't command us to do things that we're incapable of doing or are dependent on our circumstances. God makes a way for us to live, to flourish. Faith allows us to see miracles and take risks. 
free from slavery to the idols and false gods of this world. Faith connects us to all the saints who have gone before us and makes us one with all those who follow Jesus now, no matter of race, gender, nationality, ability, orientation, economic, or immigration status. We are connected. We are made one with that. That's what faith does. That's the promise that we read of those who have lived before us. Faith also frees us from cynicism. It frees us from being crushed. We can mourn with assurance that justice will come. We can fight injustice with knowledge that ultimately God is just. And God will do what God does in these situations. We may not see it, y'all. But we can continue to work and to hope for it, placing our faith where it needs to be. It's not cynicism. It's not stoicism. And it's not certainty. We have to be careful. All of us are placing our faith somewhere. All of us are hoping for something. We have to guard that zealously where we put our hope, where we put our faith. Alex commented that faith gives us the power to endure through things, oftentimes when we just want to be delivered from them. We have to reject the idea that if we're not on top, if we're not thriving, if we're not healthy, if we're not whole, that somehow that is because of a poverty of our faith. Faith doesn't guarantee those things. The situations that we encounter, in a matter of, time, matter of fact, many times faith leads us into more and more uncomfortable places where we are more and more challenged, where we are more and more disturbed by the things we see. Our faith leads us into those places. Faith is not tied to our circumstances, but it's experienced and lived out in the midst of them. It doesn't, era- it doesn't evacuate us from the circumstances. It actually gives us a footing within them. We can't tie our faith to outcomes. If circumstances are a measure, at some point we will stop loving God and each other. If things go well, those relationships we have will become transactional. If they go poorly, we will lose faith. The Scottish theologian John Scott McMurray said, he said, the promise of false religion is... Fear not. The things that you fear the most, God will keep from happening to you. He said the promise of true religion is this. Fear not. The things that you fear the most are quite likely to happen to you. They're just nothing to be afraid of. Well, this is easier said than done, right? I mean, faith may be one of those most elusive things. How do we get it? Other parts of Scripture tell us faith is a gift. But then, like with any gift, we need to nurture that. We are responsible with what we do with what we're given. So we have to nurture that faith. And some practices that 
that we should be doing all the time, but maybe especially in these days, this season, as we go forward, is realize that this faith is a, is a gift, yes, but it's also a fruit, an outcome of how we live, of the choices we make. So we need to, as we've talked about during this season, lean into those practices that enable it, that encourage it. Take time to be quiet. Take time to center in. Take time to say no to all the distractions, to limit them as best as possible. You need to be there for others during this time as well. I know it's hard. I know it's hard when we want to be together, we want to be close. But there are ways for us to be there for others, to connect, to ask questions, to check in. We need to be there for others, and we need to let others be there for us as well, which sometimes can be harder than doing things for others is to let others be there for us. And we need to keep acting. We need to keep protesting and resting. We need to keep speaking out and deeply listening. We need to give... Keep giving thanks and calling out things that are wrong. We keep needing, we keep, we need to keep daring to care and reaching out. And we need to root ourselves in the testimony and promises of the word. I've read Hebrews 3 at least once a day, every day this week. I've needed it, y'all. I've needed it. It's nourished me. I've seen something different. Every time I've read it, I've just... We need to root ourselves into those practices. The powerful prophetic leader, Lisa Sharon Harper, in her book, The Very Good Gospel, she talks about how we need at this time a thick faith. She contrasts that with the thin supernatural faith our superficial faith that just skims the surface. She says we need this thick faith to carry us through. It takes us deeper into the word, not further from it. It takes us deeper into the mystery, not scared of it. Deeper into the conflict, the challenges, not running from those things. I think this is what Nowen was talking about when he wrote about waiting on the Lord, praying in our pain and accepting confusion. That's, those are practices of a thick faith. It's certainly the faith that is held up for us in Scripture. And it will ultimately be the faith that sets us apart from all those who seek to hijack faith for their personal or political gain. All those who seek to reject it as inadequate or outdated. And it will set us apart from all those who endlessly search for alternatives that will promise them certainty and control. This faith is also tangible. We practice it. If I could ask the people who are going to serve communion to come up, We receive faith like we receive communion. It's given to us sacrificially. When we read the testimonies of the people in Hebrews 11, we understand the sacrifices that they made on our behalf. The sacrifices that are represented at this table, 
but not in a guilting way, not in a shaming way, but in an invitational way. Christ's body broken for us, Christ's blood poured out for us. So in an abundance of caution, you see the the team is preparing um, to serve. If you'll hold out your hands, they'll put the bread, the cracker in your hand. It is gluten-free. And and then you'll take the cup, and then we'll take that together as they, once everybody's got it. So if the worship team can come up. Let me pray for us as we enter this time. God, we need faith. We need something. Maybe it's faith. Maybe that's what it is. We don't even know what to call what we need, but we ask you for faith. We ask you to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to wisely discern, hearts to love and obey. God, that you would unite our hearts with one another here, but also with the saints who have gone before, our foremothers and forefathers, our brothers and sisters. That we would flourish in the midst of this anxious age. And that we would be set apart from those who seek to use you for their own political or power ends. And we would worship you as you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find out more about us at gracechurchnwa.org. Have a blessed week.